crying out to God because I'd seen awesome stuff in other people's lives. But what happened to me? Where did I miss it? How did I screw up so badly? And how can you even look at me? Mm -hmm. And one Christmas morning, I was crying on my living room floor underneath my Christmas tree, and I was suicidal. And I wanted to end it. I was done. Welcome to A Second Chance. For the most positive and uplifting time on the radio, stay tuned and get in tune with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Welcome to A Second Chance Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. He's a fellow podcaster. He's an author, a blogger, and he's going to talk a bit about travel today. Please welcome our guest, Angus Nelson. Hi, great to be with you, Gina. So happy to have you today. Please, if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself today so that our guests can get to know you. A little bit about myself. So I currently work a job working with large brands, all Fortune 1000 globally, and I am the head of member success. So I'm a people guy. And I head up the community for executives from some of the biggest brands on the planet. That's what I do during the day. In addition to that, I also do coaching for people in specifically the areas of mindset and mindfulness and helping them be their most effective self. In uh, the connection of those two, I often find myself doing that with the executives that I work with in my other job. In addition to that, I speak and I also have my own podcast, Up in Your Business uh, building you to do business better. And then lastly, I've written a book called Love's Compass um, that won me an award for Most Promising New Writer. And then I wrote a second book, which is sitting on a hard drive right now because I'm not going to release it until the time is <laughs> right. And now I just got a contract this week for my third book, which this one is going with a New York publisher called Morgan James to be released in April of 2017. So I've got a lot going on, Gina. Sounds like Angus. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I average about five to six hours a night. Ooh, it's it's not sustainable, but it in this season, it's 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 what it takes to get the job done. So I work really hard, but I also am very intentional with my family because that's the one thing I won't sacrifice in the midst of all this hard work. So I don't play golf. I don't watch you know Netflix. I don't I don't do anything. I work and I play with my family. That's about it. Oh, that is so awesome. Family time is great. And sometimes we start out with kind of all the the success and like how fabulous life is. But what I love about this podcast is that it wasn't always that way. And a lot of people listening right now might be in a harder season. So take us back to a time when life wasn't all great and tell us a little bit about what life was like then. Well, it's a great segue from my current story. I was in a similar position where I was working a lot. However, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. It's about 1998, 97, my brother and I started a nonprofit organization. It was a youth-based um, arts and uh, education uh, organization. So it was a nonprofit doing good things for young people. We ran that for a couple of years and we made some bad business decisions and uh, my brother ended up getting married and having a child. Well, he was already married, but then they had a child. So his focus kind of went on um, making money. And so he kind of left me uh, holding the bag um, just as circumstances were laid. So I was stressed and I was trying to prove to the city, to the nonprofit world, which is obviously highly competitive, and to myself that I could turn this thing around. So what do we do when things get difficult? 
we try harder. Mm-hmm. And so I was working 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks, but it was all built on my ego and my narcissism. <sighs> and I put it under the label of I was doing a good thing. Problem was I was also married during that time. So my work became my mistress. However, mm-hmm. it got worse because in the pain of all of that and the stress of all of it, I turned to coping mechanisms, which started off with pornography, then to alcohol, and then I combined the two, and now all of a sudden I'm also being promiscuous. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to blow off steam is what I'm telling myself, and ultimately I sabotaged the whole thing. The city eventually slid a, a note under the door that said they were building a new parking ramp. We needed to vacate in 90 days. I didn't have enough money to rebuild, nor did I have any energy to try mm-hmm. and do it again. Um, my wife and I, we got divorced. Now I'm without my company, I'm without my marriage, and I am depressed. I spent the next three years in counseling and in pursuit of trying to find myself again. Wow, that's a powerful story, and you're so open with us. Is it hard to share all of that, or was it hard kind of when you first started sharing it? Yeah, when I first started, it was it was nearly impossible. In fact, that's what I say is is that's the whole trick, is the very things that we hide in, the darknesses that we keep are the very things that are holding us back. And we think that if we share those things, that they're going to crush us. And what we don't Mm -hmm. understand is when we share those things, we actually become empowered. Mm -hmm. There's a Joseph Campbell, uh, one of his quotes said that in the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Oh, I like that. I'm going to link that one in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, Well, please feel free to continue. Yeah. So for me, I found that, when I opened my mouth and I started to articulate the chaos that was going on in my head and my heart, you know, when, when it's internal, it seems to make sense. Your chaos is comfortable. Mm -hmm. But when I started to articulate it and my counselor helped to kind of reflect that back to me and what that looked like, I would shake my head and I was like, no, that's not what I mean. And my counselor would say, but that's what you said. And so what I came to learn was that what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, what you talk about, you ultimately bring about. What I didn't realize is that when I looked in the mirror, the person that I saw, that man standing before me was a man I despised. I hated him. I was full of self-hate. I was full of um, this self-loathing. And I validated that through attracting more chaos because our mind on a psychological level, what it does is it seeks equilibrium from what it's already internalized. So as such, when you feel bad about yourself, subconsciously, you'll create opportunities to sabotage relationships, to sabotage opportunities and job promotions and, you know, your parenting skills. You'll put yourself in places that they will confirm your own bias. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like you, follow the lines of that continuum. Why should anyone else? And furthermore, on a spiritual level, why should the creator God even like me? And we put ourselves on these selfish pedestals to think that we are the only one, the solo person that nobody else will understand. So A, we won't tell anybody. Two, we will sink into our misery further and further internally, even though externally we may wear a smile. And third, we'll never fully be what we are capable of being because we're holding ourselves back from fulfilling the very thing that we so desperately desire. Wow. So Angus, I know from emails that I get and conversations that I have that there's people feeling like this right at this exact moment. And when you were in this exact moment, could you see that there was a way out or could you say something to them to help them to see that? 
You know, I had a dear friend of mine step into my life with some words of wisdom. And what he said is that in five years, you will look back at this time as a very different man, and you will love the experience that you endured. And I said, you are crazy. You are insane. You have no idea what you're talking about. You don't get it. You know, I was just like going off on him. And I think there were some F-bombs laced in there. I, I was just so angry. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and, but we were good friends. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I was like, you know, ripping his head off. It was just like, I was just was trying to wrap my brain around it. And then he went on to say this. He said, the man you are today is not a product of who you think he is and what you've done. What's behind you does not um, dictate who you are. He said, who you are today is who you choose to be. And if you want to be somebody different tomorrow, the only thing you have access to is today. So start doing something different today. Later, I learned this little acronym that today actually means the only day actually yours. Mm-hmm. We spend most of our lives looking forward or backward. In the past, it's either pain or promise. In the, in the past, we say, oh, this happened to me. That's why I'm the way that I am. This person mm-hmm. hurt me. This, you know, I take on a victim mentality because of something that was done or something that um, I experienced. On the positive side, we may have had some glorious experience and we say, hey, Gina, do you remember the good old days? Remember when it was like? <laughs> Those things will never help us. We look to the forward. Now we're in the future and we have these goals or these ideas, these constructs in our yeah. mind that says, I'll be happy when. One day. Yeah. One day, right? When I have that job, when I have that partner, when I get this, when I get that. And what we don't realize is that is it the grass a is not greener on the other side in fact it's been well fertilized so it's full of crap right <laughs> i love that right number 2 is that once you get this there's always that so it's exhausting because you think the next thing is going to make you happy and what you will find is that happiness is never an external experience Anything that you get of happiness because of something that's done is temporary. Real happiness, real joy, real fulfillment, real sustaining uh, satisfaction comes internally. Mm-hmm. So in your pursuit for trying to get that thing in front of you, in addition, you'll look to the left and your right, and you'll look at other people's journeys, and in your mind, you'll equate their quote-unquote success to your failure because they're True. moving in some kind of um, unmet expectation that you have. It's not going fast enough. It's not, the money's not coming. The job's not coming. The relationship's not coming. So we're sabotaging ourselves even while we're pursuing the sabotage. Absolutely. Instead, when you become present, today is the thing that I can actually influence. I can look around and I can say, all of these things are the opportunity for me to embrace. And now I can connect to joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. And from that comes happiness. And from happiness, it's a crazy thing, Gina. People love to be around happy people. They so do. 
And all of a sudden, opportunities start to present themselves. New jobs, new relationships, new interactions. And out of that same joy comes momentum for you to supersede your capacities because now you're fueled by the joy, fueled by that satisfaction, fueled by this thing that everyone else is trying to pursue, but you already possess. Mm-hmm. And what you will find is anything you may have set in front of you as a goal on that negative spectrum, you will probably and most likely supersede that because of you living in the present than you chasing the future. Words of wisdom. I feel like you've just given our audience thousands of dollars of advice that you would get from someone over time. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just send you the invoice. No big deal. All right. (laughs) Um, But these are the things that when you finally get honest with yourself and you start addressing your own minutia, right, of of chaos. It gives mm-hmm. you permission to love yourself despite your faults, A. Mm-hmm. And two, you go on a pursuit to learn more about you. And here's here's the paradox in that. And I think life is full of many paradoxes. Um, but the main paradox here I'll share is that like I take lots of assessments. I love Myers-Briggs. I love Disc Profile, Colby A Index, uh, Strengths Finders, whatever. Because the paradox of me learning and discovering more about myself, where some people fall short, is they let that define them. Mm. Oh, I'm like this because I'm an ENFP. I love people. I don't give me details. Don't give me spreadsheets. A PNL statement? No way. That's not me. I'm an ENFP. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is that the more you learn about yourself, the more you're able to step over the preferences so that you can serve those around you. Mm -hmm. So now it becomes an opportunity for you to, A, because you've learned these different approaches and different um, preferences, you can see when you step into someone's presence in a very short period of time because you know the signals, you can read their nonverbals or watch how they talk and say, man, right now I need to dial it back. This person loves data. So the thing I'm going to share with them is going to have some kind of data attached to it. Mm -hmm. And my whole focus becomes not communication for them to hear what I want to say. Communication's power becomes in the fact that I can communicate it in the way they can receive it. Absolutely. That is such a powerful point. And, you know, furthermore, that whole paradox, you know, if you follow, you know, the whole construct, it's like, if you want friends, you first have to show yourself friendly. If you want to gain, you first have to give. If you want to live, there are areas in your life that actually have to die. Mm -hmm. And we spend so much time holding on to the chaos in our lives because the chaos is what we know. It's comfortable. It's familiar. And so it's like our hands are clenched holding on to this very thing that we think we need. We're desperate for this thing we need. At the same time, we're desperate for something else. And all it takes is for you to finally get to a place where you will open up one of your hands to let go of what you know so that you can grasp something you don't know. And for most of us, we don't know what we don't know. And that is a place of pride, is a place of ego. Uh-huh. And that's the paradox. The thing we build ourselves upon is the very thing that tears us down. Wow, Angus. So take us back to your story. 
to the time where you were going through your divorce and this person came in your life and gave you these wonderful words of wisdom? So I spent three years in kind of a spiritual schizophrenia. My background prior to all of that was this like perfect pedigree of going off to Bible college. I had a degree in youth ministry. So I was under this religious construct that I have to do good, get good, be good, be perfect. And now my life was anything but. Mm -hmm. So how do I even, you know, put the Humpty Dumpty back together again? And through this process, I discovered this thing called grace. Mm -hmm. That grace is not something that is something that's required. It's not an exchange of goods. It's nothing earned. It's nothing attained. It's nothing strived. It's freely given. Mm-hmm. And it's unconditional. And I didn't understand that nature, either from a spiritual principle or for myself. And I started wrestling with that at the end of those three years. And I was reading just a ton of books. And And, and I got to tell you, like this was not an overnight thing. Through this time... I'm seeing a counselor. I'm trying to find better friends. I'm smoking like a chimney. I'm going to (laughs) karaoke bars, drinking myself silly and sleeping around still, and then coming home and spending the next two, three hours crying out to God because I'd seen awesome stuff in other people's lives. But what happened to me? Where did I miss it? How did I screw up so badly? And how can you even look at me? Mm -hmm. And one Christmas morning... I was crying on my living room floor underneath my Christmas tree, and I was suicidal, and I wanted to end it. I was done. And I heard this voice inside my heart that says, are you finished? And I said, yeah, I'm totally finished. And he said, that's not what I mean. Are you done trying to please and I was like, what do you mean? I'm not trying to please nobody. I'm doing, I'm my own man, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he went on to spell it. You've been trying to please your former spouse. You've been trying to please your parents. You tried to please the community. You tried to please the church. You tried to please all these other things. And you were even trying to please me. And I am already pleased. <sighs> and I could not wrap my brain around that. How could you? How could you get to that place in my life? That's not possible. And he came in and he started to work a work in me that washed away pain, washed away hate, washed away all the different things that I had built to conflict me from living life to its fullest. And I began a journey of cutting off the areas of my life that were tearing me down and relationships that were negative and critical. And I stopped listening to the music that was angry. I stopped watching the movies that were violent and sexual. I stopped and filtered the things that were going in my ears and in my eyes. And instead, I was watching everything from, oh my gosh, uh, like motivational people, Tony Robbins, like anything that was building me up anything that was showing me the light, anything that was telling me who I am, even if I could not see it. And I embraced it and held it and I wrestled it to the ground. And in that series of events in 2005, I put my house in the market because there was an author in Huntsville, Alabama, of all places, Huntsville, Alabama. I don't even know where this is. And I moved to Huntsville, Alabama to sit on this guy for a year. 
And he gave this approach that was holistic about the psychology, about the emotions, about all of that works in one and the same, that you are body, you are soul, and you are spirit. And what I found was that I connected to this grace in a new realm that liberated me to be who I fully am. And ironically, I met this girl in the midst of it. And I pulled what I called the George Costanza. (laughs) You know, George Costanza, the character, there's one episode where he did the opposite of everything he'd always done, all of his natural impulses. This is on Seinfeld, if you're not familiar with the character. And at the end, obviously, you know, he goofs it up like he always does. (laughs) But for me, every impulse to run, every impulse to push back, every impulse to to restrain, every um, withhold, to, to not be honest, to not be transparent. Like, I push past all of that, and I found a woman that loved me enough to coach me in the midst of all my junk and call me on it and say, you're, there's something you're not telling me right now. Mm-hmm. She would say, that's not true. And she'd say, you're bigger than that. And she would just speak these things over me. And here's the irony. Like, in that time, she loved me and nurtured me to become a, 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 an incredible man that I give her full credit for, but, you know, in com- combination of all these other things. A couple years later, four or five years later, now over the last three years, I've been able to return the favor because now finally she's in a relationship with someone that makes her feel safe enough to contend with some of her own limiting beliefs. Oh, that's amazing. And it is in the beauty of vulnerability and transparency that I became liberated and empowered. And now I've made it my life goal to make that contagious. There's too much pain in the world and we entrap and ensnare ourselves because we blame everyone else for Mm -hmm. why we're not happy. And the reality is we are not happy because we have not positioned ourselves to accept to embrace, and to hold happiness for ourselves. Well said. It sounds like you've learned a lot about yourself through this journey. Yeah, right? (laughs) It's been a heck of a ride, and it continues, because, you know, every fear is an invitation to a new echelon of living. And that's just been my mindset. Every time I step into something that feels intimidating or feels scary, to me, that's a signal that says, there's something here for you. That is that fear in that cave that Joseph Campbell was talking about. And I'm going to dive into that cave and I'm going to grab onto that treasure and discover a new expression and a new way of living. Beautiful. You've just rendered me speechless. I feel like I just went through every emotion under the sun with you in the last five minutes. Yeah, that was fun, huh? Oh, I'm so, so glad that you're sharing your story. Do you want to share any specifics with anybody else of some of the, the things that helped you as you went through this journey? Yeah, I'll share a couple things. You know, it was Jim Rohn that said, the difference between who you are today and who you are in five years are in the books you read and the people you associate. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I experience, you know, like that gentleman, my friend who had told me that five year, you know, stint, I, 
it wasn't just books. And in this day and age, I've got a smartphone, man. I got YouTube videos. I got podcasts. I got so much access to stuff to retrain my brain. Mm-hmm. And the more that you, you know, like a hard drive, the more you start replacing that data, you start, you know, changing the inside. Like I said before, your brain seeks equilibrium. So once you start manipulating the inside into something more powerful and positive and liberating, the external can only do the same. And so one of the things is, you know, work on you and in developing your heart by that caliber of content you're putting into you. The second piece is the caliber of the, <laughs> the cadre of people that you associate with. We imitate who we associate with. And if we want to go to another level, we got to hang out with people who are smarter, more um, advanced, more mature, more what have you, mm-hmm. so that we can be challenged to rise up ourselves. Problem is we're in so much weakness that when we see somebody like that, we get intimidated and then we think worse about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the paradox. You need to flip that script to understand that that is not someone trying to tear you down. That's someone reaching down to pull you up. Yeah. And would you say that you can start by surrounding yourself with those people by listening to their podcasts or watching their YouTube channel or reading their books? Absolutely. And you can access them through these same tools. You know, it's the power of social media. Never in the history of mankind have you been able to access as many people as are available just from your pocket. Yeah, amen to that. It's crazy. You know, and here's the other thing, too, is if you're dealing with this stuff, you know, I stated this before that your biggest limitation is keeping this stuff inside. Mm -hmm. It's like a fungus, you know, it's, if it's in the darkness, it's only going to fester. But if you bring it out into the light, it's got to die. It loses its power. Mm -hmm. Find somebody safe to talk to. The very thing that you think, dear God, if anybody knew I would be done, if anybody knew this thing, I would be finished. Mm -hmm. That's the very thing you need to find somebody super safe to share with. And I've got a couple of buddies that we trade daggers. (laughs) That's the thing that would take me out. And I hand it over. I love that. I love that. And if you don't have any of those friends, what would you say? You could go into your local church or talk to a pastor. You know, it can start with something, you know, sometimes even church folk are a little screwy, right? (laughs) It's super (laughs) intimidating. They're not perfect either. Uh, my dad's a pastor. My, my background is ministry. You know, I, I don't mean to, you know, be critical of it, but I know that there's power there. Uh-huh. So sometimes, yes, absolutely. But other times it can start with just make an appointment with a counselor or a therapist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's actually having a friend that you've known since childhood and going out for coffee mm-hmm. and getting tucked away in a little corner and saying, I trust you with my life. I want to give you something that is my life. I had a friend of mine stop by last night on a road trip. I've known this guy for 30 years. We sat out on my back porch just last night, going through all of the entanglement that's in his head and his heart over a couple glasses of scotch and a cigar. Those are some of the most fun, intimate, embracing times of life. To me, that is about as good as life can get. It's when two human beings strip away all the junk and all the facade Mm -hmm. and connect, and especially when it's men. 
<laughs> Especially when it's men, hey? Yeah, we're not really good at that stuff. It's not something that comes so natural to us. You know, I didn't know that. I honestly thought that men have an easier time than women do sharing things like that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Men, wow. men are, for most of us, we are tortured by our own self-imposed uh, jail cells of what we think is strength versus what we think is weakness. And for us to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to share our quote-unquote heart, like that's real woo-woo, foo-foo um, in our minds, and we can't really translate that into something that's powerful. And yet, again, coming back to the paradox, those very things actually draw people to take respect. So when I share something that's vulnerable, people see it as strength. They see right. it as confidence. But our culture wrestles with that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, I can't thank you enough for being so open and vulnerable with us and sharing your story. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our audience with, Angus? I think, you know, something I'd like to leave you with twofold. Can I give you two things? I would love if you would give us yeah. two things and where we can find you as well. Sure. So I'll wrap that all together. So uh, you can find me at AngusNelson.com. And there's two things that in my experience with influencers um, and the people that I interview as well, two things that every one of them seem to have symmetry around for their quote-unquote success in life. One is those deep and valuable network of relationships. And number two is becoming a self-learner, always teaching yourself whether that be books, whether it be podcasts, or whatever, about 70 to 80% of the roles for the people that I serve in my job, those roles didn't exist even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was no social media. There was no digital product. There was no digital innovation. There were no labs that didn't exist. So these people have innovated their own careers to get to where they are. That's how you move ahead in life, the relationships and the learning. So I created an ebook that I would love to present to you and your audience that's called Networking with Effectiveness and Credibility. Because most of us are afraid of meeting new people, and yet meeting new people reveals things to you and builds intimacy in the capacity that you have to connect with others. And third, it can advance your career and even what we're talking about, finding your own cadre, finding mm -hmm. your tribe, and finding your people. So I can make that available to you we could put something on the end of a, a website. I don't know what we want to do. AngusNelson.com forward slash you tell me. I'll write it down real quick. Okay, that sounds great. I'll link it in the show notes at everydayisasecondchance.com and I'll put it on the about page of my website too, if that's okay with you. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. It's AngusNelson.com every day. Forward, awesome. sl forward slash every day. And so that's how you can get a hold of me, AngusNelson.com. That's my free gift to you. And here's the last thing I want to leave you with. There's a mindset or a meditation, uh, a mindset to meditation is that that is for one to empty themselves out, that that is where we observe. Absolutely true. I agree with all of it. I'm going to show you another facet to meditation that is something about filling you up. And so if you'll indulge me, I would ask you just to close your eyes and take a comfortable position and inside of your chest to see a glowing ball of energy. And as it begins to turn slower, becomes faster, faster, becomes even faster. 
and then even faster still as it spins around inside of you. It's almost like a nuclear fusion bomb. And you can feel it warm. You can feel it refreshing. And you can feel it like warm honey running from inside that chest to out your arms and down your legs. And then once it reaches down to the bottom of your feet, it shoots out the bottom of your feet and out your hands and out your back, out your chest and out the top of your head. From inside of you is the power of creation itself to be and to do things you never thought you could do because the power that is within you is greater than the things outside of you. Every fear, every intimidation, every relationship that holds you back is powerless to that which is in you. That is wow. an exercise that I visualized over and over and over. It was uh, Marianne Williamson that wrote this uh, portion in one of her works where she says this. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us. It is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Beautiful. I love Marianne Wilmington. That's where we want to connect to. And in 2017, when my book releases Empowering Work, it's going to deal with all sorts of issues of the future of work. But behind that context, I'm going to bring people into a place of self-awareness and a place of empowerment, just like we did today. Well, make sure you check in with us when that book is released. And everybody can find you once again at angusnelson.com. And don't forget to get that ebook. Thank you, Angus. My sincere pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for tuning in to Second Chance Radio for the most positive and uplifting time on the radio. So tune in again with your host, Gina Kane of Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio. Second Chance Radio.